I would like to at least let this Hornets game finish before we uh, start talking about the Panthers because oh, I'm fuck, not going to be able to. Fuck's sake! There's two minutes left in the game. That's like yeah, an but eternity in basketball. An hour. Eh, it depends. There's there's penalties. There's penalty shots. There's fouls. There's, no, there's timeouts. What, there's a, what's a penalty? What's a penalty <laughs> shot? What? Is this, this a foul shot? <laughs> When somebody gets fouled, they get one, they get two shots at the rim, the double bonus, or whatever the hell it's called. <laughs> yeah, I don't think our any new podcasting venture is going to be Brian explains basketball. <laughs> I understand basketball. Today's weekly edition of Brian explains a basketball rule. <laughs> Welcome to the Keep Sounding Podcast. This is your Carolina Panthers versus... Oh, shit. Who are they playing? Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. We have prepared for the show. I, I was about to say... I was about to say Ravens, but I was like, wait a minute. No, they just played. We didn't get. We didn't do our review show. That's why I am, uh, I'm all messed up right now. On the- Joe Flacco is the quarterback for the Bucks, right? That guy with the, the white guy with the beard? That's got to be Joe Flacco. Come on. I mean, technically, yeah, Fitzpatrick and Flacco are basically the same guy. So yeah, <laughs> there we go. Um, so I guess we'll start off with a little brief recap of the Ravens game since we didn't get around to actually doing that this week. Um, so the Panthers came out and beat the Ravens in stunning fashion. Um, the final score didn't really reflect it, but they absolutely dominated a team that was considered, you know, a playoff contender in the AFC, number one defense in the NFL, statistically speaking. Um, and they went up and they put up 30 on them quite quickly. I might add, um, looking at the stats from the game, just pull this up real quick. Um, Cam Newton had a solid 21 to 29 passes completed two passes in passes thrown. I should say, um, two touchdowns throwing one touchdown rushing along with 52 yards rushing. So that was definitely a remission performance of the 2015 season. Um, that said, the offense as a whole played really well. Uh, Brad, uh, give give me any of your takeaways as far as the offense goes. Doesn't have to be about Cam. Can be about Cam. I don't care. Just give me your thoughts. I thought they played pretty good. Excellent. Excellent co- color commentary by Brad, our boss here. Um, John, offensively, what did you like? I agree with Brad. I fucking hate both of you. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> I do want. <laughs> I do like how do they wanna... used create creativity. Like they got DJ Moore the ball some. Like you know we've been saying for weeks. Uh, Cam yeah. <clears throat> Cam looked great. Um, you know, I, there's not much to say, but I, I mean, I was surprised at how well they played, given how how good Baltimore's defense is supposed to be. This is true. 
I I wonder if it was just it, it seemed like we're like okay we're playing a good defense we uh we need to pull out all the stops I don't know if it's like we keep those in the chamber when we think we have an easier shot but I would like to see that offense more especially with 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 DJ the way we used him yeah he ran the ball twice for 39 yards which is pretty good he sure did his longest rush was a lot of yards per carry. Yeah, that was uh, 28 yards per. That was uh, 28 long. 28 yards was the longest run for an average of 19 and a half yards per carry. Um, the Panthers collectively rushed for 154 yards. The only players who averaged less than four yards per carry were Christian McCaffrey and Taylor Heineke. Taylor Heineke averaged negative one yard on two carries, which were probably both Neils. They yeah, were, they had, yeah, they were Neils. I, I honestly <laughs> forgot that he did anything other than the play at the end of the first half. And for those of you listening who don't know or who weren't watching, the Panthers had this very strikingly, I don't know, it was it was weird series of plays where uh, they went out there, they ended up taking, what, a delay a game on fourth and three, and then mm-hmm. decided not to kick the field goal with Graham Gano. And then all of a sudden, Taylor Heineke's out up there on the field, throws a first down to Greg Olson, puts him back in field goal range. And Graham Gano nails a 48-yard field goal. That was, uh, I, w- I was not, I didn't really understand what I had just watched when I was, when I was watching that play myself. It was uh, quite interesting. You know how, like, when you play sports and the people you're playing against have absolutely no idea what they're doing, so they do everything wrong, and it's really hard to guard it because... They're not doing anything you'd expect a regular player to do. That was our offense in that series of plays. Yeah, that that's a good description <laughs> of it. Because <laughs> like it was it wasn't any sort of like trickery or anything. It was just a, like we we couldn't decide what we wanted to do in time, so we took a delay of game, and then we kind of scrambled into a hail mary that uh, Heineke and Olsen changed at the last second, and then we ran out the field goal unit again after that. It was just kind of a just a mess of a series of plays that worked out for us. Cause I don't think the Ravens had any idea what we were doing. So they had no idea how to defend it. Yeah, that was, that was strange. Cause uh, from what I recall reading this week, uh, originally they were going to go with a hail Mary and then cams cam didn't want to stretch, I guess, stress his shoulder. So they trotted mm-hmm. Taylor Heineke out there, which I, I can't recall many teams that trot out a backup quarterback with like no rushing ability for a fourth and eight to try and convert. So, I could definitely see why the Colts defense wouldn't understand that. The Colts did it earlier this year with Jacoby Brissett for like an end yeah, of half. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense in a way. Like, if you're just going to chunk a 60 yard Hail Mary that it has like a 1% chance of being a completed touchdown, and why, you know, it's the end of the half. Like, you don't need it to win the game. So it doesn't really matter if, if you get it or not necessarily. Um, why would you risk Cam, you know, throwing it too hard and, and screwing up his shoulder? And also, why would you risk his completion percentage? Because it really doesn't make a bit of a difference if Taylor or Heineke throws an incomplete pass or not. Um, but, you know, Cam, if he throws an incomplete pass, he might dip below 60% and then he's not a good quarterback anymore. So, True. you know, there's a lot there's a lot at risk there. You also don't want him just like worst case scenario, you know, he's hanging out back there waiting for the receivers to get down there and then he like cocks back to throw it and gets hit like in the arm or something as he's letting go of the ball. Like trying to throw the ball as hard as you can and then having getting hit is is just like a recipe for for getting yeah. hurt. 
a recipe for bad things indeed. Yes. Um, also, on Christian McCaffrey, you made it, you said something about his yards per carry. Very unfair. Uh, speaking of running <laughs> stats of the coaching staff, after him having a very efficient day running, to just give him like five straight carries straight into the Ravens' defense when they had like eleven people in the box, just to give him like five runs for zero yards to wrap up his day. Very mean. Yeah, I thought we had C.J. Anderson for that, but. <laughs> Hey, C.J. Anderson had five yard, five carries for 20 yards, four yards per attempt. Still appears to be a good Yeah, he played, more, he played more against the Ravens than he has played in the last three weeks. Yeah, kind of sad. Not sure why, but maybe we'll get lucky and he'll be a little more involved this week. Who knows? Um, so as far as the offense goes, to break it down before we move on to the defense, um, Obviously, DJ Moore had his breakout game. We mentioned his rushing stats, but he led the team in receptions and yards on Sunday. Five receptions, 90 yards, an average of 18 yards per catch, and a long of 33 yards. And he was targeted six times, which was tied for the team lead with Christian McCaffrey. So, huh, good things happen when you throw the ball to your first round rookie wide receiver. That's uh, that's interesting. Never would have thought it. it. Yeah, he's suddenly PFF's top rookie wide receiver, despite not having as many touchdowns as Calvin Ridley. Yeah, and I think touchdowns, as as weird as this sounds, but like for individual players, touchdowns are kind of an overrated stat. Um, because this is true. it it's just because it's more a product of just like where you happen to get the ball as opposed to because like I know like Julio Jones gets a bunch of flack, and I like and I do it too because it's funny. But like, he's still very good. He just doesn't. He just doesn't happen to catch passes around the uh, end zone. It's not like he's incapable of it. It's just kind of a luck thing. Yeah. Plus, you have to remember too. Like the defense is keyed in on Julio Jones, where a team like the Panthers, their biggest red zone threats are probably Greg Olson and Devin Funchess, along with probably an additional defender to try and defend Cam Newton. So, yeah, yeah I would agree. I well, agree at that like- point. With Wentz last year when his MVP candidacy, and he was a great player last year, but he just threw, they just threw the ball in the red zone so much, and he got so many touchdown passes just because they were throwing for, throwing the ball down there instead of running it, and that like inflated his stats, so to speak. So I don't remember why I started talking about that, but oh yeah, for Calvin Ridley's touchdowns, yeah, DJ Moore's better. Yeah. Calvin Ridley's old. <laughs> He's basically like Kelvin Benjamin. Mm-hmm. Um, he is. <laughs> I wouldn't put that on him. Come he's, on, <laughs> he's smaller, equally as old, much better. Kelvin Benjamin still probably counting down the days till he can start mar- racking in Social Security. Am I right? Am I right? <laughs> uh, um. So moving on to the defense. Um, while the Ravens did score twenty-one points on this defense. It's not like the Ravens' offense was bad, per se. Like, coming into this game, they were considered a very underrated offensive unit. And the Panthers only gave up... They gave up a touchdown on the first drive of the game. And then they didn't give up another touchdown until the third quarter, which by then they were up 27-7. to And then they just scored right back. And then the Panthers kicked another field goal. The Ravens scored with not a whole lot of time left. And then the game was over. Defense showed up on Sunday, in my opinion. I mean, it's not the elite defense that we're used to seeing in Carolina, but certainly a good defense. 
Um, I guess the guy that stood out the most to me was uh, probably should be rookie of the year candidate, Dante Jackson. I mean, he was playing real well. Stats don't really show it per se, but he got a sack. He had a pass deflection, and overall, he was all over John Brown all day, who was their fastest guy on offense for sure. Yeah, he's their number one receiver this year, and he only caught he caught less than half his targets. Um, yeah, Dante Jackson is going to need to do that against the other Jackson uh, this week. We need a similar performance for a similar against a similar player. Well, it helps that Deshaun Jackson's like 44 years old. That doesn't so really matter. He's help. still blowing by people. Yeah. 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 He's still got speed. Uh, he has like five or no, four or five. Uh, yeah, five 40-yard catches this year. Part of that, too, is the what I like to call the Nick Foles syndrome, where uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick is just like, fuck it. I'm throwing it down the field and hits him deep. <laughs> like We call that the Rex Grossman, actually. But the Rex Grossman throws a lot more picks than touchdowns. So does the Fitzpatrick. Yeah, give, <laughs> give, give, give Fitzpatrick time. I mean, <laughs> hey, he was one of the highest graded fantasy football quarterbacks for a long time there. So to hop off his dick a little bit. Oh, I'm saying he probably will. At some, he'll probably get back to that. Um, it's just he's throwing 13 touchdowns to five picks. Yeah, which is one more pick than Cam and the same amount of touchdowns, and he's played less games. So, uh, yeah, he's he's still get at me. To be fair, he had the three interceptions in the first having in Steelers, and two of them were kind of fluky. But we know how this goes. Like, I mean, he's thirty-five. Like, he's not going to suddenly. It didn't just click. Like, the light bulb didn't doesn't go off for you as an athlete at thirty-five years old. No, it doesn't. Speaking true. of turnovers, I just this is completely irrelevant to the game this coming Sunday. Um, but I think it's funny, and I talked about it in the defensive preview. Jameis Winston is tied for the league lead in interceptions, and he's played less than four games. Like he, That's impressive. He, he played the second half against the Bears and the first three quarters against the Bengals, and then two full games, and he is tied with Sam Darnold and Case Keenum, both who have played eight full games for interceptions, most interceptions in the NFL. That that actually is a skill. Like that it's, takes talent. Yeah, only Nathan Peterman is more adept at throwing you know, picks we'll get than Nathan him. Peterman experience on Sunday too. That's gonna be fun. Yeah. It's- yeah, I was a little bit pissed. I guess we'll just move right into the defense versus the Bucks offense. Um, I was a little bit pissed when Jameis Winston was considered to be benched because we all know how backup quarterbacks show up against Carolina. We also know how Jameis Winston shows up against Carolina, so it's a little to lose lose there. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I'm just glad they don't have um, Aguayo anymore to kick a game-winning field goal. <laughs> wow. Low blow. Low blow. Well, I mean, he did. You know, it was 2016, but he did it. Yep. And then he, uh, then he, uh, in his he was our famous uh, practice squad replacement for Harrison Butker for a little bit there. Fun fact. About the same player. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Um, just real quick, Jameis Winston against the Panthers. Uh, six games, he's completed sixty-one percent of his passes, five touchdowns, nine interceptions. He's been sacked eighteen times. Jesus. So, uh, how and many, he's fumbled six times. How many of those times. games have they won? Two. Okay. It's about part of the So yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, looking at the. Have, have we ever? Oh, go ahead. Good. 
Have we ever played Ryan Fitzpatrick? I'm sure I mean, we have. He's been around for like the, my entire life, so sure <laughs> it's happened at some point. But we played in the NFL for 27 yes. years. Um, Hang on, I'll I'll look that uh, up because right I'm curious. I think we may have played him when he played for either the Bengals he's or the played Bills. Us, we played Ryan Fitzpatrick one time. Uh, he was 11 for 22, one touchdown, no interceptions, uh, two sacks, and that's it. And they. What team did? What team was that? I don't know. Damn it, John! <laughs> I'm looking at his career splits. Uh, do you have the year? No, but I'll, I can find it. Keep talking. I'll. I got this. Well, in regards to the Buccaneers' passing offense, regardless of the jabs we're going to take at their quarterbacks, um, they have a pretty good offense. Uh, Mike Evans, definitely a problem. He's a hurt. He's hurt right now, but I don't. I don't know if he's going to come back and play this week or not. He suffered an injury against the Bengals late in the game. Um, but if he does play, he should see a lot of James Bradbury, at least theoretically. It should be Bradbury on him and Dante Jackson and Deshaun Jackson. Um, they're definitely going to throw the ball a lot because it doesn't seem like they get a ton of good production out of Peyton Barber. Um, and they've thrown the ball quite a bit almost every game. So the Panthers pass defense will be- Was it when he was with the Jets, John? This was these with the Bills in 2009, Bill. October 25th. Oh, was that that really bad game where it was like 20 to 9 or something was, like that? It was exactly 20 to 9. Uh, yeah, Jake Delum had a real bad game. Jake Delum was 27 for 44 for 325 yards and three interceptions, no touchdowns. Yep, I remember watching yeah. that game. I, I remember like, that game. Yeah. That was a terrible game. Because <laughs> I was like, God damn it, Delum, stop throwing picks the whole time. Like... <laughs> yeah, so um, there's that. By the way, just a little shout out. Pro, pro, yeah, pro Football References Play Index is such a useful tool. Yes, it is. Just pulling up these stats out of like 10, like 10 seconds. It's <laughs> it's nice. Yeah, that's I, I use their um, head-to-head stuff for like when I do the the story streams, when I get all the last meeting and all that yeah. stuff, I I use their stuff too. It's really good. But yeah, seems like the Buccaneers are going to definitely be throwing the ball a lot against Carolina. Oh yeah, they can't they can't run to save their lives. And but uh, the Panthers. Oh, go ahead. Um, they have and then their rookie running back, who's probably the worst of the two running backs, is hurt. He's out this week, so. Be- oh really? Barber's not playing. No, Barber's playing. I think it's uh. What's his name? Ronald Jones. It's hurt. I think. Maybe I have it backwards. Uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really matter anyway. They're just they're going to attack us with Evans and OJ Howard. So yeah. that, that's the two guys we need to really be. And and Deshaun Jackson. That's the guys we need to really look out for. Yeah. Theoretically, you want the for us to show up this week, especially since the Bucks line is you know not exactly good per se. So you'd like to and see Fitzpatrick is is a uh, one that you can get like probably gets sacked more than he should, even though he can be elusive, but he also holds the ball too long and stuff. Um, and if he doesn't get sacked, he's definitely the type to be to panic and just kind of throw it to wherever he thinks someone might catch it. Yep, that's that classic backup quarterback syndrome where they're just like 
swinging for the fences whenever they don't know what they, whenever they don't have what they want in front of them. So, yeah, another guy to watch out for is uh, Chris Godwin. He could be a major problem for Captain Munderland. Because he's, you know, he's pretty tall good. Yeah. I think my biggest concern is my concerns are like Evans is good and he'll probably have a good game, but I don't know. I think the ones that I'm most concerned with in terms of just like breaking the game open are being difference makers or Deshaun Jackson, because like we talked about earlier for the big plays, and then OJ Howard, which I think Brad, you mentioned his name a minute ago. Yeah, I, I think O.J. Howard's definitely one to, to look out for because we've been pretty bad at covering tight ends all year. At least like, like super bad. athletic ones, yeah. I bet Cameron Brait catches a touchdown on Sunday. Oh, absolutely. Cameron Brait will catch a touchdown. <laughs> he just just he just he pops up randomly to catch like two passes for 15 yards and a touchdown. Seems like that could yeah. that's the thing that would happen on Sunday. Like O.J. Definitely. Howard will have like eight catches for 110 yards, and then Cameron Brait will catch the one touchdown, the one tight end touchdown. Yeah, it sounds like Cameron Brait. I would agree. <clears throat> that Harvard connection. Did you guys people forget <laughs> that they both went to Harvard? <laughs> I, I did forget that. <laughs> they match up on that intellectual level. Yeah, exactly. Um, they both have that galaxy so, brain thing going for them. <laughs> the galaxy brain. Oh, my God. Um. So obviously, yeah, the Bucks could still score a lot of points on this Panthers defense, despite them playing pretty well last week. But the good news for the Panthers is that on defense for the Bucks, Vinnie Curry is battling injury. Jason Pierre-Paul is battling an injury. Gerald McCoy did not play last week. And uh, their bad. secondary is not good. Yeah, the defense as a whole is not very good, and the good players they have are either going to be banged up or not playing. So this could turn into that classic like 45 to 38 shootout for Carolina, but it could also be another one of those weeks where they just kill themselves because we've seen that happen too. I'm not quite No, not the Panthers. I'm not quite on Come board on. with their offense being elite just yet despite these like assertions that they are because I want to see it more consistently. I think what they did on offense was really good against the Ravens with like getting the wide receivers out in space, even using them in motion just to like throw off the defense's alignments and stuff for running the ball. Um, I like what they do with their speed threats. I really want to see more of more and uh, Curtis Samuel on the field at the same time, especially against 35 year old Brent Grimes and second round defensive back Carlton Davis. So it's not like the secondary can't be taken advantage of is that it's my question is, are they going to continue to be aggressive like they were against the Ravens? And my first guess think, is yes. You, really? You don't think so? No, I think Ron did what he did against the Ravens to prove a point. He's going to be like, okay, we did it. Will you, you know, back off now, shut up now. We're going to go back to maintaining time of possession and controlling the clock and, and running the ball. I don't know. Dear God, I hope not. <laughs> as much as I, I criticize Ron Avera's approach, I don't know if he uh, is that like stubborn to to see something work and then completely abandon it, um, unless until something happens where he doesn't think it'll work anymore. Um, but the Buccaneers defense, I don't. I feel like we're no matter what we do, we're going to look like like we're playing aggressively and like we're calling a good game because their defense is really bad. Yeah, it it really is. But see, the thing is, and it's been a theme all year, it seems, 
whenever we face an opponent that's been really bad at something, they seem to figure it out when they play us. And that's my only concern. Yeah. Yeah, this is a this is a momentum based offense for Carolina. We've seen it since 2015. Whenever they're on a roll, they're on a roll. But whenever they start having problems and struggling, it can be really ugly. Um, theoretically, you'd think they were gonna they'd come out and be swinging in this game, but you never know. That first drive really seems to be a big deal for them. Just so, just to uh, to contextualize how the Buccaneers defense. They've allowed 20 passing touchdowns and have one interception. They also have the highest amount of passes allowed completion-wise, and I believe they're just around 75% right now as far as the defense goes. That's impressively bad. Yeah, like if a a quarterback throws the ball four times, they're going to complete three of those passes is basically the way to contextualize that. (laughs) So it's, uh, it's not very good. Opinion. Yeah, seventy-four percent completion percentage allowed. Uh, eight point eight yards per pass attempt. Like I said twenty touchdowns, one interception, uh, and opposing quarterback rating of one hundred and twenty-three point five. Quarterbacks that quarterbacks facing the Buccaneers this season are on pace to have the best quarterback rating of all time in a season. Like, I think wow. Aaron Rodgers did that, and it was, incredible. like, 122. So, basically, the Buccaneers' defense is making every quarterback, on average, look like Aaron Rodgers in his best-ever season. On top of that, one other thing that we didn't really talk about too much, but the Buccaneers' defense was actually doing really well against the run. I believe they were in the top 10 as far as uh, rush defense, but then last week the Bengals put up, like, 100 yards rushing on them in the first half with – with uh, uh, Joe Mixon. Yeah. So, and I've talked about it. That's, and Carolina's not going to stop running the ball. So, well, that's uh, and that's why we always say, well, I always say, run defense doesn't really matter, especially if you can't stop the pass. It's true. You're less likely to stop a running play if they don't run the ball on you. Yeah. Buccaneers also so. allow 33 points a game. That's pretty good. <laughs> For the Panthers, at least. Yeah, and then so I, I one hundred percent don't expect the defense to be like stifling like they were last week, just because of the way the Bucks have been this year. Like they're the number one offense in the NFL in terms of yardage, which is very surprising, but good for them. Um, you have to you have to remember though that when you're losing, it uh, when you're losing, you're more likely to throw the ball and you're more likely to yeah, get more yards. I, yeah. <laughs> Because, you know, prevent defense in the NFL, most coaches still haven't figured out it doesn't yeah, work. Yeah, but they, I mean, they're still like, they've been good regardless. Like, Ryan Fitzpatrick, we talked about with the 400 yards in the first three games and stuff. Oh, yeah. No, I wasn't, I wasn't trying to downplay that they're not yeah, a, top, yeah, yeah. a very good offense. I was just trying to make sure we contextualize that top ranked pass offense a little bit. I, um, but yeah, I mean, they have, they have the weapons for an elite offense in the NFL. Yeah, just in the passing game. But so, uh, yeah, I say that to say that, like, if if we give up a good bit of points and a good bit of yards, it's it's not the end of the world. It's not time to freak out. Um, the Buccaneers also have like the best third down and fourth down offense in the NFL, or one of them. So they they basically clicking on all cylinders. So it's it's okay if the defense isn't going to be perfect, and they don't really have to be with the way with how bad the Bucks are yep. offensively. 
And they're going to bring the blitz too. Like they're going to get after Ryan Fitzpatrick. So your point you made earlier about how he can make really dumb decisions under pressure. I think we're a hundred percent going to see that too. Which is ironic considering he's like by Wonderlick standards, the smartest quarterback to ever play in the NFL. And he went to Harvard. People forget that. Yep. Thank you for reminding us. I almost forgot. <laughs> Got to have that, that Wonderlick acing quarterback on your team. Definitely correlates with success in the NFL, for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Brad, any observations on the Panthers' defense versus the Bucks' offense that you'd like to get out? Nothing that hasn't already been covered. Got it. Stealing your thunder. I mean, we pretty much have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we pretty much covered everything. One last thing I want to touch on before we get into scoring predictions, but the Panthers' special teams unit has been really damn good over the last bit. Graham Gano is the was the special teams NFC player of the month. Um, Michael Pilardi consistently is booting the ball inside the 10, which I I feel like that's something that not a lot of people are really noticing outside of the Carolinas with him. But man, he is kitting it inside like the five with almost with little to no effort at times. It seems like. Yeah, he's he's actually doing really well. And like, I know nobody cares, but he's like he's looking like the NFC pro bowl punter right now. Cause I, I don't know if anybody else is actually doing it better than he is. No. And the nice thing too, for them is that, uh, they have two really good gutters as far as speed goes and DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel and Samuel really showed up last week, feeling the ball inside the five. Like that was, he was there before the ball even touched the ground at times, which is very underrated as far as special teams goes, especially in an NFL with so much offensive movement every game. Like most games are not, you know, 10 to seven games. A lot of them are in the, in the twenties at least as far as both teams go. So when you get those possessions, they got to move the ball 90 plus yards. That's a big deal. I liked his, he showed DJ more how to down a punt, but I liked the, um, that first one he downed or he just he fell over for I don't know what reason and the ball just fell right into his lap. <clears throat> Good play. <laughs> Elite, if you will. He he fell and I was like, oh well, blew that one because I assumed the ball was gonna like bounce into the end zone. And he's just on his back and it hit him right between the numbers. Like, oh, that that worked out nice. Flarty working his magic. He knew that's he knew that's where the ball was going. He just wanted to make <laughs> it look good. He even body catches his downed punts. Okay. All right, John. <laughs> um, so looking at the what we think the final score is going to be, I'll start with you, Brad. What do you, what do you think the final score is going to be for Carolina versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Well, considering the fact that Tampa has a high-powered offense with weapons like Mike Evans and O.J. Howard and Deshaun Jackson, and they have Fitzmagic at quarterback, and they can hang 40 on you at any time, and their defense couldn't stop literally anyone. I really think, because the NFL is absolutely bonkers, that this game is going to be a 10-6 Panthers win. That would just be so them of those two teams. That'd be so gross. I would enjoy it. I'd thoroughly enjoy that. I would not. <laughs> uh, John, what is your score prediction? 
I think that I'm just going to take the easy route and assume things are going to be the way they've been going this season. Uh, I think the Panthers will win 34 to 27. All righty. My prediction is 28 to 17, just because I feel like Carolina will jump out to a lead really early and then they'll turtle down and allow the Bucks to come back a little bit, but not too much. So that's my prediction. Let me see what Vegas says. I, I said I did this for the Eagles game. Panthers are six point favorites. And the over under is 55. So if we, we do some math, that's what. Anybody? I'm working on it. Uh, you're looking at about 28 to 17. Ish. It's like Which is what so Brian said. 30, 30, exactly 24. my score prediction. No, like 30-24. Oh, okay. That's the... So almost my score prediction. Or, yeah. 31-20. Yeah, whatever. 30-24 is well, what we'll go with. Yeah, that's fine. Um, oh, you said the over-under was 55? Yes. Okay, I thought you said 45. My mistake. No, 55. And that's a very high over-under. Yeah. Well, that's because they, they know what Fitz Magic is all about. <laughs> we did have a request, which I we have a little bit of time left. We did have a request on one of our podcasts uh, to, I guess, do a halfway through the season recap of the rookies and what our thoughts on them. Um, let's go ahead and include last year's draft class too, just because we didn't get a whole lot out of them, um, before at least until this season. So, uh, I don't want to do a whole breakdown of them, but let's go through the guys that have impressed us the most as far. And it doesn't have yeah, to be the first round pick. All of us can pick one. That's fine, Brad. You go first. Taylor Moten. Taylor Moten. He has he, been in my opinion, in my opinion he has been rock solid and I mean I'm not in charge of an NFL team but he has taken the starting right tackle job and I don't think Daryl Williams when he comes back will get it back and I also think that they will just let him walk in free agency. Yeah, I don't and, think we need him. It certainly yeah, helps him. Taylor Moten has proven that we don't need Daryl Williams. It certainly helps, too, that Moten is a swing tackle, which is something that Carolina has lacked over, I don't know how many years now, but they actually have somebody who can play both positions well. So that's good. Definitely a home run pick by not Marty Herney. Um, yeah, I think that's a solid pick, though. I would agree. Uh, John, what about you? Um, I think Dante Jackson has been the biggest since Brad took Taylor Moten. Dante Jackson's been the biggest revelation. Um, Shout out to Evan, because Evan, I'm pretty sure, said he w- was kind of hoping we take him with our first round pick. Yes, he um, did say that. So he, he nailed that one. Um, been very, very good for a rookie cornerback. Um, and his I think his swagger is good for the for the, the defense. And I also don't know if you guys have the football game on. Some live commentary from last night's game, but George Odell Beckham Kittle just made a one-handed catch and like four defenders around him. Big, big play. <laughs> Well, that's impressive. <clears throat> yeah, it took it took all I had to not like exclaim, like to like yell out <laughs> while you guys were talking. Because <laughs> uh, Mullins, whoever whoever the 49ers quarterback is, threw like a fadeaway jump pass into 
quadruple coverage and Kittle just one-handed it and ran it for like 60 yards. There you go. If you didn't see this play, if you didn't see that play last night, go go give it a watch. I probably will. Um, I'm looking up the stats right now, but at least as far as this season goes, I'm actually pretty impressed with what uh, Curtis Samuel has brought to the table. Only because he's touched, he hasn't touched the ball much, but he's still scored twice. He's ran the ball twice for a touchdown, and he's caught six passes for a touchdown. That's eight touches for two touchdowns. So that just seems to translate to me. Get him the ball more. God damn it, Ron. Like, that's a really good yeah, average. That would be a good strategy. Yeah. He wasn't great last year, and obviously John hates him, but Hate it guts. seems like he's. <laughs> it seems like they want to get him more involved, and I liked what they tried to do with him in Philly, where they suddenly moved him out as the read option back. I think they have some creative wrinkles they're going to use him with, but he's just a guy who moves the ball well when he gets the when he gets it. Just get him the ball a little more. So he's impressed me. I didn't want to go with the obvious. You know, Christian McCaffrey's obviously behind Cam, the engine in this offense. Um, and DJ Moore was pretty impressive last week, but Curtis Samuel definitely deserves more touches as well. And I think Carolina has a lot of good options on offense to go with here. So I'm happy with what they've got going right now. Definitely. hundred yeah, percent. DJ Moore, just to touch on him real quick. Uh, his targets have gone two, two, four, five, five, six. Um, since he didn't, since the first game where he didn't get targeted. So he's getting more and more involved. And hopefully that trend continues because he is he's very dynamic with the ball in his hands. That's that's translated 100 percent to the NFL, probably better than I thought it would. Yeah, he's he's a threat when he runs with the ball, like even against, you know, high end NFL talent. He's still somebody that's really hard to bring down. Yeah. So that's translated. Yeah, I, well. I like that we're using him. I like that we're using him kind of like the the Chiefs use Tyreek Hill. Like we're not just throwing it to him. In, over the middle of the field, like they're they're running reverses to him, they're pitching it to him, they're they're throwing it, you know, bubble screens to him. They're doing different things to get him involved. Yeah, like he has six carries already for uh, eighty-five yards. So. Yeah, and I think that's a perfect way to utilize yeah. his skill. Averaging fourteen yards per carry on six carries, like it's definitely something that we need to continue to use, and it sure seems like we're we're going to. Agreed. So instead of going with the Brian Beversley's life lessons for a change, we're going to change it up a little bit. Um, so any of those listening, we've we've done a pretty good job here on the podcast of saying what we think, what we believe as far as what Carolina should do, and they end up doing it for some reason. It's kind of weird, isn't it? Like they signed Eric Reed. We called for them to use DJ Moore a, little, a bit more. They used him quite a bit last week. Um, so here's what I want to see. I want to see Curtis Samuel and DJ Moore on the field at the same time as much as possible because you get so many different dimensions added to your passing game and even rushing game with those guys on the field because all of them are a threat with the ball in their hands. So you're putting those two on the field with Cam Newton, with Christian McCaffrey. That's four guys the offense has to think about or defense has to think about as far as carrying the ball, getting the ball on a screen, something like that. Do that more. Ron and Norv, just do that more. Get those guys on the field, run some no huddle, 
throw in some new wrinkles, keep that same personnel grouping on the field, you're going to see good stuff happen. We've, we've seen it. Every time DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel touch the ball, good things seem to happen. So let's see it fucking happen. I want to see us wear black socks with our all-black uniforms. Also yes, that. Yes, please. Also that. And I'm, I'm going to say this because I am the the uh, unpopular opinion hot take generator when it comes to the all black uniform. And I mean, I'm sorry, but I hate them and I'm not going to like them, but I will like them more if they wear black socks instead of blue socks, because the blue socks make them look stupid. I mean, I'm sorry that that nobody likes that opinion, but deep down, you know, it's the truth. And the other thing that would improve them is change the helmet from silver to black. They can't do that until next season, but, um, you know, scrap the blue socks and wear black ones so you don't look like clowns. <laughs> I guess I will include a little life lesson from Brian Beversluis tonight, then. Sometimes being too vibrant is too much. Subtlety is not necessarily a bad thing in fashion. Panthers, listen. You don't have to be popping off the fucking screen with every outfit you wear to look good. And when you look good, you feel good. And when you feel good, you play good. So get those black socks. God damn it. Wow. Taking shots at Cam Newton. Wow. What? Dang. Yeah, talking about dressing vibrantly and popping off everywhere. Man. You hate Cam I Newton. I didn't. Brian I hates said... Cam Newton. Wow. Wow. Brian hates Cam Newton. I mean, Cam's wow. a whole different animal wow. when it comes to fashion. I could never, I could never give and him you fashion just advice. An animal, like wow. All right, we're signing off. Gets the football, takes off to the end zone for the touchdown. He takes the handoff and he scores. Avoided the Dolphins behind the line of scrimmage and took it in for the first touchdown. Oh, the Newton keeps. Lowers his shoulder and takes it in for the touchdown. On second and goal, shuttle pass for Caffrey. Touchdown. And off dive for Jonathan Stewart, and he's in for a touchdown. That's intercepted by Keeping. He has more of those than any linebacker in the league over the last five years. You know. It is good, and Carolina gets a road win in New England. Hi, I'm Karis Fisher. I want to tell you about another podcast you should check out. It's called Recode Decode. Every week I talk to tech and media's key players about how they're changing our world. I interview tech executives like Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg, political figures like Hillary Clinton, and media personalities like John Carreyou, who literally wrote the book on Theranos. Once again, the name of the show is Recode Decode, hosted by me, Kara Swisher. You can find it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to the show. See you there.